Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today's episode is brought to us by Better Help. That's right, help. I need somebody help. Always somebody, H-E-L-P, help. I know you probably grew up in a household like me where asking for help, you, you didn't do that. And and you didn't tell the people your problems. You kept it to yourself. You just bottled it all in. But <clears throat> as we're learning, holding it in, bottling it in, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. We need help. And just like how countries need help, we all need help. So if there's something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, then you probably want to check out BetterHelp. I myself, as you all know, if this is your first time listening to the episode, thank you for tuning in. But as you know, I use uh, I use teletherapy also, and I love it. I don't have to fight through traffic. I don't have to uh, look for parking. Um, I don't have to wait in a waiting room and hope. I had one instance where I was waiting for my therapist, and uh, somebody that I knew like very well was walking out of the same office. So the beautiful thing about better help and, and, and teletherapy is that you don't have to have that awkward moment where your boss or somebody you know uh, walks by you and is like, oh, okay, you, you, you're you dealing with things too? All right, cool. Um, what's cool about better help is that they will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. BetterHelp is also committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed anytime. The service is available for clients worldwide, and you can start communicating in just under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp is not the right solution for you if you have thoughts of hurting yourself or others. You can log into your account anytime and send the message to your counselor. How cool is that? Anytime you can talk. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room again. So go to betterhelp.com forward slash Leo and Enjoy your discount now. That's right, because over 1 million people are taking charge of their mental health by signing up for mental health. And today you'll get 10% off your first month if you go to betterhelp.com forward slash Leo. With that said, let's jump into the episode. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm excited about today's episode. We have so much to cover I've received emails from some of you, and I'm going to share not the emails, but uh, the gist of it, and then my part of my response to that. We're going to talk about how to get things done. Uh, we're going to get into uh, why we can't always get better. This idea of, oh, you can improve, and uh, you can get better, and there's always room for improvement. We're going to squash that. We're going to talk about imposter syndrome. We're even going to talk about the depression zone. Oh, the depression zones, a certain time of day. I can't wait to get into that. And we're going to get into a few other things about how to find meaning. I, I, I'm excited about today's episode. So it's going to be a nice smorgasbord. Is that a word? Smorgasbord? Variety of topics for today. So I hope you're well. Thank you for joining me. If this is your first time. Uh, just know that this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help. Call the 1-800-SUICIDE or any of the international suicide prevention numbers in the show notes. Uh, <clears throat> so I, I want to address uh, some of the letters I've received. One letter I've received is about someone struggling with depression and learning and expressing that you know, for them, struggling with depression is, was like drowning and somebody rescues them or at least brings them to the surface of the water, but then never teaches them how to swim. 
So they find themselves drowning again and then needing to be rescued. And I'm sure a lot of you or some of you may feel like that, where you find yourself sinking and uh, swimming temporarily, but, but, but not a strong enough swimmer to get to shore, right? And, and that's, that's what it sounded like uh, from the email. And so I want to address a couple things. One is, uh, one that sucks if you're going through that right now, that sinking feeling, that, that drowning, that unable to breathe, um, the weightlessness, just kind of like you're giving over to inertia. Um, and then it, I would imagine it also sucks to have someone uh, come rescue you, or at least you think they're going to rescue you, and they, and they save you and bring you to the surface, and you, you, you finally are able to catch air and wind. And, and feel the breeze on your face and, and someone holding and supporting you only for them to let you go again, right? It's almost like if, if you, um, you know, sign checked yourself into a psychiatric institution and after a week or two, they released you back out into the world. And, but without the tools and the skills to navigate, to deal with your depression, your anxiety, and your suicidal ideations. Um, that, that cycle would be exhausting. And I want to say this, because I had a feeling that uh, the person was looking for an answer to this, of, of how to swim to shore, and then once you get to shore, how do you survive the land? It, it's almost like uh, Tom Hanks and Castaway. I don't know if you've seen it, but I, I think that would be a great movie to watch where, uh, you know, actually I haven't even seen the movie. I'm going to watch that. I'm gonna, actually, I might watch that this weekend now that I think about it. I've heard great things about it. But, but basically, Tom Hanks is, is cast away in the middle of the ocean and then washes up on an island and has to learn how to survive. And... There are really no answers, if we're being honest, right? If we think about Tom Hanks in the movie being cast away in the middle of the ocean, landing on an island, there's no, there's no rule book for how to survive that. He, and if there was, uh, he probably didn't read it. He probably never asked someone at, up until that point in his life, how do I survive if I'm stranded on an island? And this is where we have to be creative. And we have to follow our instincts. There's, there aren't clear-cut rules for everything. I'll give you an example. Um, in the New York Times recently, this woman who had uh, been retired for a little bit, she was bored, getting anxious, uh, feeling lonely, and then she decided to use her money to start uh, a bookmobile. Mobile. So she, uh, she bought a van, loaded it up with books, had it outfitted as a traveling like little library or, or uh, a bookstore, actually, where, so people can actually uh, walk and enter the van and buy books. And she is driving cross-country doing that. It's a way for her to meet people, stay engaged, have purpose, have a mission, and provide. Now, granted, she's not, you know, making millions doing this, but she reports that she's breaking even, and she's met more people than she ever would have staying at home. Now, I, I tell that story to say that... Um, a lot of times the real answer to your situation, to your current situation, is a creative one, is an out-the-box one, is something that's not in the books. It's in your heart. It's in your soul. It's in your stomach. And it's in you 
willing to risk what is for what could be, for what you want. Because what a lot of people are finding is playing it safe is not safe. There's a quote that says, uh, even if you're on the right path, if you just lay there, you're going to get run over. Meaning that even if you're doing all the right things in life, quote unquote, right things, you're checking all the boxes of life. You know, you're paying your bills, you're working a nine to five, you're taking care of your parents, all these things, everything where, uh, you know, society would that society esteems, you may find that that doesn't nourish nourish your soul. I was going to say nurture. Nourish your soul. It's not fulfilling for you. Your answers may lie or lie outside of the box. Something that, that you and, and no one's ever thought of, but you're aware of on some level. There, uh, there was another guy, you know, struggling with uh, wanting to feel connected and, and lonely and, and just kind of seeking the meaning of life. And, and this was recent in the New York Times also, where he and his dog walked around the world. Just Google man, dog, because his, his dog, it was in the news because his dog is the first dog to travel around the world. I, I, no therapist or book would recommend that. Right? That's that's not going to be in some BuzzFeed uh, article. I, I I definitely would not be like ten ways to, you know, cope with depression or suicidal ideations or. I, that was that was something internal that they tapped into. So going back to you're sinking, you feel like you're sinking, and then somebody saves you, and, and now you still feel like you don't have the strength or skill to swim to shore. That might take some creativity. It's going to take experience and time. But ultimately it's about tapping into you to figure out what are the skills you need. Here's, here's, here's something. This whole time, you might be thinking, how do I swim to shore? But the truth may lie in you swimming out further into the ocean. And I'm saying that metaphorically. You know, there, there's stories of uh, this one guy who got in a kayak, and I forget where he kayaked from. But in that kayak, he went from, like, London to uh, Ireland or London to, um, you know, uh, Maine or something like that. And it took him months, like maybe three months, 30 days or 90 days or something like that. But, uh, but but there's been a few people who have done that. Who's going to recommend that? No doctor, therapist, counselor. It's not in the books. It's in your heart. In your soul. It's in that nine-year-old version of you. You know, a lot of times, um, you know, I was in my SCAA meeting this morning. And uh, the, the topic was about letting go and letting God. And, you know, even if you don't believe in God, all right, but I want to talk about the first part, letting go. Letting go is not just about letting go of the anger and resentments uh, that, that we may be feeling. It's not about just letting things slide. Letting go also is about are you willing to let go everything that you've worked for and that you have right now? 
to take a chance on something different? You know, maybe you've built up a business. Uh, you have your family. Uh, you, you have a lifestyle that you're accustomed to that may be comfortable for you. And you may be trying to hold on to that so much that you're missing the opportunity for something for the next chapter in your life. And I, and, and I, I was hesitant. I don't want to say better. Nothing's really better. But you, you may have just reached a ceiling on how much this can fulfill you. Right? It's almost like uh, life can be like uh, sitting down for dinner. And, you know, somebody presents you with a, an amazing meal. You know, maybe at a five-star Michelin restaurant, and they bring out the appetizers, and, mwah, and they bring out the, the main dish, mwah, and, and the dessert, and everything is just incredible. And the conversation is flowing, and there's laughter and joy and connection and bonding. But there's a point where our cup runneth over. So this experience is no longer fulfilling. And life can be like that. But what happens in life, unlike the restaurant where we actually get up and leave and go to other restaurants and or maybe even uh, cook for ourselves, we try to hold on. We go, I've, I've built this for so long. I've been doing this for so long. And, and what will they think of me if I go this other direction? We have to let go of other people's expectations of us. We have to let go of societal expectations. And we have to let go sometimes of our idea of ourselves. Sometimes we are the, who we think we are and how we identify. I am a CEO. I am a provider. I am a protector. I am, uh, you know, a caretaker, whatever. Whatever you, whatever you identify as, I am strong, I am powerful, I'm fragile, I'm, I'm vulnerable, like whatever. We may need to let that go. Get up from the table, leave the restaurant. And this isn't about you just going at it alone. It, trust me, I know it sucks. It sucks to do um, everything, to feel like you have to do everything alone, to, to not feel connected on some level. But, but even that is a mind state, right? And I don't want to get too far into, and, and don't want to go in that direction. But going back to the question of uh, what are the skills how do you, how do you, when somebody rescues you, saves you, pulls you up, lifts you up, what are the skills to stay afloat? Because the other analogy is this. It's almost like if you are sinking down in the dumps, uh, you're drowning, and then maybe you listen to a podcast, and that uplifts your spirit, and that, and that gives you uh, a little mouth-to-mouth, gives you some fresh air. Or you watch a movie. Uh, Michelle and I went to go see Top Gun. And I was so inspired and enthused. And I was like, wow, that was so cool. What a, what a wonderful experience. Not just the movie, but, you know, being able to share that with Michelle. And, you know, we both enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, but, you know, once we leave those experiences, once, the, once the, the song, once our song comes on, Right, and we're, we're moving and bopping, and we get a we get a little bit more fresh air. Okay, now we still need the skills and tools to be able to swim. And so, I bring this up to say that when you are, feel rescued again, when you feel like you've caught that that fright, when you got that. Uh, that breath of fresh air, when you, when you feel like life has been breathed into you, even momentarily, whether it's 
someone saying hi or you got a, a quick promotion, you immediately want to jump into some skill development, managing emotions, whether that's journaling, exercising, reading, meditating, reaching out to someone. You want to ride that wave. You now have breath, and chances are you, you're going to sink again. So every time somebody rescues you or you feel rescued, make sure you're building a skill. i give you an example. You know, the, the other day I was struggling with something personally, and, and I wrote it down. Because I knew at the time I didn't have the skills to cope with it. I was like, but this is bothering me. It's irritating me. I'm frustrated by this. I don't understand it. And it's beyond my grasp. So I wrote it down. And I said, when I talk to my therapist, that's when I'll deal with it. And immediately I felt relief. And, and not that I was back to 100%, but I felt, okay, I've, I've taken some action. I'm aware of what's bothering me, and I'm looking forward to the future because I've planned a future action of how to deal with this. So I'm not avoiding it, but I'm also not trying to tackle it right now while I have other things on my plate. What we tend to do is when someone rescues us, we're so happy we've been rescued. We're so happy that someone has uh, uh, breathe, uh, uh, put, put some uh, uh, life into us that um, we, we tend to think is going to last forever. We think they're going to hold on to us forever. They're going to save us forever. And we don't ask questions we don't try to develop skills. We don't say, hey, what, do, what should I do next time this happens? We just kind of take it for granted that if I feel good now, I'm going to feel good forever. Because it's the same thing we do when we feel uh, despondent and upset and frustrated. We think those feelings are going to last forever also. But remember the three Ps. Nothing is personal. Nothing is pervasive. And nothing is permanent. So whatever you're going through right now, it's not personal, pervasive, or permanent. It's not going to last forever. It's not about you, and it's not. it doesn't happen all the time. It may feel like it's personal, and it may feel like it's happening to you, and it may feel like it's happening all the time, but in reality, it's not. The only constant in the universe is change. So I, I hope, um, you know, I, I responded to this person through email, and I hope that was helpful. But uh, if there's anything I want you to uh, take away from this is that um, the, the, the help that we seek may require us doing something outside the box something that um, no one could guide us to. Unless you have a, a very um, extremely skilled therapist who's willing to take the chance and, and really get creative with ideas. But don't stop asking questions. The fact that you reached out tells me that you're fighting. You're fighting for purpose and meaning, and you're fighting for life, and you want to be here. So keep asking questions. No question is too dumb, too silly, too small, too insignificant. It all matters. You know, uh, you know I'm, I'm 46 right now, and a lot of times people will say, uh, especially in their 40s, uh, they're looking for the meaning of life. As we get older, what's the meaning of life? And, you know, you'll find some uh, kids in their 20s and 30s, I, th I think that with the Internet and um, uh, things going on in the world and the news, 
uh, I think kids are, people are having a midlife crisis a little earlier, right? They're, they're maturing uh, physically quicker, and, uh, and so the, the midlife crisis is, uh, is happening sooner um, than later. And when we think about meaning, meaning can be in anything, anything. A, a blanket or a truck or a doll or toy means everything to a child. Everything. You see it in movies. You've seen it in real life. The family's moving, and, and the kid is like, I need my blankie. They don't care about anything else. They don't care about food, uh, clothes, water, shelter. They need their blankie. A pacifier is everything to a baby. Everything. So we create meaning in our lives. It's, the meaning isn't outside of us. It's inside of us. I, you know, for me, that's why I love cooking and baking and, and even doing this podcast. It gives my life meaning. And I'm not so deluded as to think that what I'm doing is changing the world. All I know is that it gets me out of bed in the morning, and that's enough for me because I remember days, weeks, months of not wanting to get out of bed. And truth be told, I still have those days, but it's not as frequent as they used to be. And I don't feel as helpless, hopeless, or in despair about it. Meaning is whatever you're doing right now. If you're eating something, that's meaningful. Taste it. Savor it. Explore the texture of it, the temperatures. Notice the color. If you're reading a book, that, that has meaning. It's, it's feeding your soul in some way. It's allowing you to empathize and connect and understand and have compassion for yourself and for others. It allows you to see patterns. We have to assign meaning to what we're doing. You know, TV, news media, they'll, they'll try to tell you that this car, oh, you have to, if, you don't, if you don't have this car, your life is nothing. You, you need this house. You have to go on vacation here. I can go on vacation in my mind. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. If your mind is out of sorts or if you're, if you're in physical pain, right here, right now is where you find meaning. This is why, you know, some people you meet and they just got this... Um, this, this lightness to them, this buoyancy. They found meaning in, in the now. And, and it's not in, it's not wrapped in something so big as, you know, that they're a New York Times best-selling author or they just got, they have, they're married with, with three kids and, and have a house on the beach. Sometimes, you know, it's just they're going to get coffee and they... And that means everything to them. I know it means everything to Michelle. Michelle loves to get her coffee in the morning. And as I love, oh, there's a dog barking. And because, <laughs> I don't know if you can hear the dog barking, but um, speaking of which, we're getting a dog today. Yeah, today, Wednesday, June 8th, we are getting a dog, Mila. It's a... Frenchie, I believe. Don't quote me on that. Uh, I'm not, I didn't really grow up with dogs. I didn't grow up with dogs at all. Uh, but so Michelle is a little more excited than I am about this dog. But quietly, when Michelle's asleep, I'm going to be all over this dog. I'm, 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 I'm going to be act. I'm going to act like I'm not really into the dog. But when she turned her back, I'm going to be all over this dog. It's going to be me and the dog. Um, but that's between you and I, right? Don't, don't tell Michelle that. 
I'm, you know, I'm, I'm playing like, oh yeah, sure, we can get a dog. But I can't wait to get the dog. Um. So we have to create meaning in our lives. And here's the beautiful part. Here's what's beautiful about the fact that we get to create meaning is that we also get to assign meaning to what's happened in our past, to, to the past events. Right now you have a story, a narrative about what's happened and why it's happened. There are reframes for that. And that's the beauty of going to therapy is that, you know, you can learn how to reframe your narrative, reframe your experiences, what's happened. Because life is but a dream. I have uh, switching gears a little bit. Um, I just picked up this book called Lessons in Chemistry. And I I picked it up because uh, when I read what it's about, it, 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 it involved two things that I am fascinated by. One is science and the other is cooking. And so the Lessons in Chemistry... Is a, is a fictional story, I believe, about, because I haven't read it yet, about uh, a, a woman who's a chemist who then is uh, afforded an opportunity to cook or have her own cooking show. And she tries to apply her chemistry lessons to cooking. And it's a lighthearted, uh, fun book. But it's, it's full of nuggets. And um, one of the chapters is uh, on the depression zone. Which, if you don't, I didn't know this. In TV media, they um, have allotted the time period of 1.30 to 4.30 um, to what they call the depression zone. Meaning that uh, the, the, our brains, we fall in kind of this lull during that time. Where our brains kind of switch off. We kind of slow down. And so you'll notice that TV programming, and, and I know nobody watches TV that much anymore. We're all on streaming services. But um, it, it would be like easily digestible TV shows like The Price is Right or uh, some news, just stuff that um, doesn't require a cognitive load. Oh, that's also when you have... Um, uh, soap operas and the like, right? So it's called the depression zone where they just know that people are kind of conk out and, and not really be with it. Actually, I think the soap operas were even before the depression zone, meaning like it, like soap operas I think came on at 10, 10 a.m. Like they went from 10 to 1 were the soap operas and then at 1.30 it was just a bunch of reruns or whatever, um, mindless uh, TV that, that they can cram in there. And I bring this up to say that this goes back to an awareness of how we operate. Because if you're not aware that between hours of 1.30 and 4.30, in some science, some research says 1 to 3, that we naturally fall into a, um, a lull. Um, a lot of people experience it from, uh, you know, having a heavy lunch, especially if you have a lot of sugar and carbs in your lunch, you're going to, a, a, a sh you know, you'll have a carb, going to a carb coma or a sugar crash or one of those. Uh, but this is, this is independent of that. Even if you have, you know, if you're on a keto diet, um, you still are going to experience a slight dip in your energy between 1.30 to 4.30. And this is why so many cultures, especially the Latin culture, they have siestas where you take a break, you, you get to take a nap, uh, go for a walk, lay out in the, in the park, connect with loved ones, and then come back to work. And, and this is something that's been practiced for centuries and only because of the Industrial uh, 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 Revolution, that's not the word I was looking for, but we'll stick with it, um, that, you know, where we're now working nine to five and we got to get things done and we have quotas to meet, that we've gotten rid of the siesta. 
But back in the day, we, we used to get that. Even uh, as Americans, we practiced that that break um, that was longer than. I mean, now I remember when I worked at Popeyes, my break was. I used to Popeyes is a, a, a fast food place. I worked there for two years in high school. Fast food chicken, great chicken. I don't know how I didn't gain three thousand pounds because I ate everything uh, I possibly could, but I was also playing football I was super active um but yeah I remember my break was maybe 20 minutes working you know on a full time you had like uh we had one 20 minute break and and it wasn't even a break because if there was a rush you had to come back and uh and clock back in so uh you know, you, you never really had a chance to, to take a break. And, you know, some jobs, maybe at most you get an hour. That's not really enough time, especially if you want to walk to go get something to eat and then come back, just that walk there and back, and you're standing in line, you know. And then, it, yeah, you can bring your food, but, you know, sometimes you want to want to step outside. You want to be outside for a while, get some sun, that vitamin D. Release the serotonin. Feel the breeze on your skin. So I bring that up to say, you know, be aware of how your body works, of how humanity works, of how cultures have done things. The the more we're aware of our history as human beings and also of how our bodies work, our circadian rhythms, then the less alone we feel. Because a lot of times... We're going through these experiences of feeling like we're drowning. We can't swim. We're all alone. And it's because we think we're the only ones going through it. No one else could possibly understand what I'm going through. Out of six billion people. But when we're aware that there's a dip, then we can schedule. Here's what what happens. Awareness brings empowerment. Empowerment. You become empowered to now where I know, like right now, it's I'm recording this podcast um, and it's approaching one o'clock right now. Now, I wouldn't record this podcast between one and four thirty, one thirty and four thirty. I mean, why would I do that when I know I have an energy dip? I'm not going to be sharp. I'm not going to give you the best uh, episode or my sharpest mind. That wouldn't be fair to you or me. So now, you know, I can I can work my schedule around my circadian rhythm, around the rhythms of life. That's now I can ride the wave. I know I'm sharpest in the morning, and I get a little a little dull in the afternoon, and then I get a second wind around four or five. So you know, I could record the podcast now, or I would record it at five. So, you know, when we, when we learn, when we read, when we expand, when we explore, when we ask questions, then we feel less alone and we feel more empowered. And, and, and that's over time, going back to the email I received, over time we learn how to swim That way we get to decide, do I want to swim to shore or do I want to swim a little further out? Or maybe I want to tread water for a while. We get to decide. Switching gears, uh, I want to shout out uh, Susan Cain. She wrote this book, Bittersweet. And, And I'm so happy because I haven't read the book. I bought the book. I haven't read the book yet, but I'm going to dig into it. She also wrote a book called Quiet. Um, and Quiet was about the, the power of being an introvert. And that is, you know, that's one of the books where I felt seen and understood. I was like, oh, this speaks to me. I had no idea this is why I am. Because, you know, for all my introverts out there, the world is set up for extroverts. 
you know, especially if you're dating, everybody wants someone who's outgoing and fun and lively, wants to do wild stuff. And so you as an introvert feel left out when the truth is like half the world are, are introverts, but it, it, it society's not um, celebrating us. It, it always uh, is going to the, the person who speaks up and speaks out and shouts the loudest. And there's not a lot of love for those of us who sit back, listen, absorb, and, and then connect the dots and provide insight at some point. And so uh, Susan Cain wrote a book, Quiet, which I was like, oh, my God, I'm a fan. It's, it's a, an incredible book. And anybody that I know who, who, has, who has read the book has loved it. But um, so she just wrote a book called Bittersweet. And I was like, I'm getting the book. I'm just a fan for life. Anything she writes, I'm in because um, I, I just want to reward her for creating and writing something that allowed me to feel seen, heard, and understood. And then also empowered me, gave me the vocabulary and the language to uh, communicate and express myself better in my relationships and then also learn how to take better care of myself. Because I was I was an introvert trying to live an extroverted life, you know, trying to be out there in them streets all the time, not knowing that as an introvert, I derive more energy from solitude, being with myself, reading books and writing, um, and and or you know just sitting in coffee shops. I love that. I love to to be an observer, and and uh, I I get be I'm exhausted when I. Um, have to be in performative uh, situations. So I like more one-on-one intimate conversations and deeper conversations. I love a fart joke too. Don't get me wrong. I'm here for the fart jokes. I I actually, um, I have the comic strips from the newspaper uh, sitting right next to me. And it's something that uh, I read a little bit in the mornings because I just, you know, I'm, I'm here for the humor also. I, I want the funny, you know. I know that there's a lot going on in the world, but uh, I also recognize that uh, how much of it is so, so ridiculous. To the point where, side note, um, I'm going to come back to the, the book, Bittersweet, but side note, you know, I, I as if, you haven't listened if this is your first episode um tuning in uh welcome again um but you know as a comedian i've been performing in more theaters lately and um the last one i did was uh in front of 1300 people uh jimmy o yang shout out to him uh from crazy rich asians uh put me on a show very grateful thank you um awesome response and uh got a lot of new fans from that um, but I, then I see this other comedian, Gabriel Iglesias, who performs in front of 45,000 people at Dodger stadium. And then my brain is like, Oh my God, I would love to perform in front of 45,000 people at Dodger stadium. And, and I start to feel inadequate. I was like, what's my 1300 to this 45,000. I have to get to 45,000 or, or I'm nothing. You know, what am I doing here? But then, you know, the universe has a way of putting things into perspective, right? This is a word that's been coming up for me lately, perspective, right? It showed uh, a picture of Earth, and then next to it was a picture of Jupiter, and it was showing the size difference. I didn't realize how small uh, Earth is to Jupiter, right? I mean, it, it's almost like if you put a a tennis ball next to a basketball, okay? And actually, I think um, a, a, a bigger ball would even be more uh, sufficient. But then uh, it showed Earth next to the sun. And that's like putting a, a tennis ball next to uh, an air balloon. Right when those hot air balloons, I mean the, the 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 size of the Earth of the Sun compared to the Earth 
is uh, enormous. It's ridiculous. And I go, the earth is not even that big. And I'm, and I'm like, how do I get to 45,000? And I go, that's nothing. The, the, the sun could, I don't know how many people the, the, the sun could hold. I mean, I know we can't land on the sun. But it just put, I go, if the sun is that big and the earth is that small and the universe is that large, what, what, what's 45,000 compared to the universe? Like it's nothing. What's the, even if I performed in front of 6 billion people, of all the people on earth, it's still uh, a, a teardrop in a bucket. Right. And, uh, and, and so it just goes back to one appreciating what we have being grateful that, you know, I got to perform in, in front of that many people. And also that um, I was performing from that many people based off of a relationship, a friendship, a connection with, you know, Jimmy Oyang, and then being grateful that his career then allowed me to be in that position, that, that domino effect. So there's so many layers to be grateful for, to appreciate that I was missing out on because I was thinking about next and what's next. And, you know, for anybody out there who's struggling with imposter syndrome, that's what happens is, one, you feel like you don't deserve, you know, what you, um, the accolades that you've achieved, that you don't deserve the accomplishments because you're aware of, you know, all of your weaknesses and your frailties and, your your um and your issues and your challenges and how hard it was for you and then we overstate how easy it is for everybody else and and we put other people on a pedestal that's part of it but then the other part is that um you know we're always thinking about what's next we don't take time to celebrate our wins we're like next next on to the next thing and we have to celebrate now you know i learned that playing football and that whether you won or lost the game, you still went and, you know, got dinner with friends after. You know, you still partied that night. You still had some fun. And then, you know, on Monday, you got back to the, the business of work. But, the, but you allowed for a release. You, there was an acknowledgement of a thing that we trained for and worked for. And it's done for now. Let's take a break. Let's, let's let out some air out the balloon, and then we'll get back at it Monday versus spending that whole time beating ourselves up because we lost or we won, but, you know, maybe we didn't win by as much as we thought we were going to win or um, it was a sloppy win, that kind of thing, or, oh, we just barely escaped. If they really knew, you know, how bad we were, um, you know, we shouldn't have won that game, that, that kind of thing. So... When, you're, when you find yourself struggling with imposter syndrome, take a time, take a breath, and write down all the things you appreciate about the experience that you just had, the gratitude, the lessons learned. And that'll allow you to connect and ground yourself so coming back to bittersweet, I know that was, a <laughs> you're like, well, what was he going to say about bittersweet? Uh, the, the book by Susan, the, the new book by Susan Cain, Cain is C-A-I-N, uh, bitter, B-I-T-T-E-R, sweet, like candy, bittersweet. Um, she talks about listening to melancholy music and how much joy that brings her. Specifically, she listens to uh, minor keys, E minor keys. And so I pulled it up uh, on my Spotify playlist, minor keys. There's a playlist called Minor Keys, uh, Calm, Modern, Classical Piano. And I love it. I didn't know that minor keys is the music for my soul. It's, uh, it's sad and calm, modern piano music and um, melancholy 
melancholic music. She champions uh, Leonard Cohen's Let It Be. I think it's Let It Be by Leonard Cohen. Um, But I love melancholic music. I love Miles Davis' Kind of Blue. Right? Um, And I love the sound of rain. Michelle and I, we sleep to the sound of rain at night. And this goes back to understanding who you are. So when I study, when I'm doing work, sometimes I'll play minor keys in the background. And it's just so soothing and nourishing. So I hope this episode brought you some value. I hope you learned a few things about yourself. Um, I am, what am I looking forward to this week? I'm getting on a cruise ship, getting on a cruise ship to go to uh, Alaska. I'm I'm flying into Seattle and then uh, going to Alaska on a cruise ship to do shows. And I'm excited. You know, I... So many years I've been wanting to go to Alaska. And then in this past year, in the last 12 months, this will be my third time going to Alaska. It's crazy how things turn out. I still have to get to Australia and Antarctica uh, to hit all seven continents. And, and uh, I'm confident that that's going to happen. Not sure, but, but that's part of what's getting me out of bed in the morning. So uh, thank you for tuning in. If you haven't seen Top Gun, it's so good. And, um, and, and stay curious, stay engaged, um, and uh, keep coming back. Share this episode, please, with anybody that you think would find value in it. And thank you for uh, rating it five stars. And remember, you can go to betterhelp.com forward slash Leo and get 10% off and uh, start your teletherapy today. Uh, remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help. You call on the 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-273-TALKS or any of the other numbers listed in the show notes. Uh, and you can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together.